This episode of the Punk Rocket Show is brought to you by the label Iodine Recordings. Their catalog includes great punk, pop punk, and hardcore bands like Smoke on Fire, The Iron Roses, Hey Tanks, Her Head's on Fire, The Darling Fire, and many more. It's very simple. All the bands on Iodine are a great fit on this podcast. The label is run by great people with good values. And if you're a vinyl lover, check their gorgeous selection of colored LPs. Thank you so much, Iodine Recordings, for supporting the show. Check the show notes or go to iodinerecords.com. Hello, punk rockers. Salut les punk. Welcome to the Punk Rocket Show, episode 83. I'm your host. My name is Emilie Plamondon. I live in Quebec City, in Canada, and I'm passionate about punk rock. Today, we're gonna talk about drums. My guest is Dylan Montbourquette, a super passionate drummer from Halifax. He's playing in the band Cluttered and many other projects too. Dylan's repunkmentation for today is for the band No It's Fine from his local scene and mine is for 22, a band from Montreal. And since we're talking about drums, I'm sharing your answers about who are your favorite punk rock drummers. And you know what? The show is starting now. Hi, my friends. I hope you are doing great today. I'm good. I'm good. My weekend is great so far. Last night, I celebrated my goddaughter's birthday. Her name is Lily. She just turned 12. Oh my God, it makes me feel really old. <laughs> I haven't seen shows uh, in the past week, so I don't have a lot of things to tell you today. But next week, oh yeah, I'm going to talk to you about a lot of things because like I told you last week, I'm going to watch Anti-Flag twice in a row. So on Sunday and Monday. Next Thursday, I'm going to watch the band Ashigan playing their new album so it's a release party I'm so excited about seeing them live it's been a while I might go see a show tonight oh okay at first I was supposed maybe to go to Montreal and attend to this amazing ska show with Planet Smashers Mustard Plug Amy Gaba and uh, The Almost Famous also Big D and the Kids Table I finally decided to stay in Quebec City and uh, tonight there's a show that I might attend to. It's um, some local bands, the band 22 that I want to repunk mend you on this episode, but also Bangers Club and Our Darkest Days. It's going to be epic, but I don't feel a lot of energy. If you want the truth, I have intense periods cramps. <laughs> So I might stay on my couch with a heating pad and ice cream. Mm, haven't decided yet. I still have time to hope for the best. <laughs> also, if you want, um, there's a new collab that I made with the amazing, incredible band Icarus Fallen from Mexico. So they just released the song Arakiri and I'm doing a featuring on it. So if you want to check, it's a good song. I love the mix they made with... Uh, both of our vocals. It's a very dark song, very sad one, but it was super fun to sing out loud. Uh, and you know what? I recorded it myself alone in this studio. So I felt like a very independent woman, singer, <laughs> engineer. <laughs> 
I'm very stoked about the fact that Jagged's Revenge are going to release a new EP in 2023 and they signed on Zbam Records. So I'm very excited to hear some new stuff from them. Same for the band White Long. I don't know if you know them. It's an incredibly great band. And I thought they were not playing together because they haven't released anything since 2016. Um, but no, they're going to release a new album and they say it's gonna be their final album it's gonna be called premonition it's gonna be released on december 2nd and they released a new song called if you're gone i love it i will definitely add it on my weekly playlist for this week for my radio show and by the way i'm doing weekly live on facebook and instagram to build this playlist with you And it's super fun. We're talking about music. It's every Sundays from 6.30 to 7.30 East. So you can join us and help me build the playlist. But next one, we'll have this song from White Long for sure. And by the way, they are from Vancouver, Canada. Repugmentation. Okay, let's listen to the band 22 from Montreal. And if you want to spell it, it's, it's, you have to write it like 20-T-W-E-N-T-Y. And the number two, so 22, like that. They are playing fast punk rock, skate punk, melodic hardcore music. And they released a new album this summer, an incredible album called Dismissed. So good. And my favorite song on it is Grudge. So let's listen to it. And then we're going to talk about drums. I'm still thinking about it. I still carry it in my head. I'm still pissed. About it, and I think that I want you dead. I'm standing still, I'm standing still. 
Rock Human. If you like merch as much as I do, I strongly recommend you the website epicmerchstore.com. They have t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, hats, long sleeves, and kids merch for more than 200 punk rock, ska, hardcore, and metal bands from all around the planet. So if you like bands like Good Riddance, The Dreadnoughts, Friends of Rome, After the Fall, Diesel Boy, Krang, Straight Line, Polly, Randy, and many more. Oh, they also have a Tony Sly tribute merch. They support smaller and bigger bands from all around the world. Plus, they ship worldwide and you can have a flat rate shipping cost. Get your merch at epicmerchstore.com. So from times to times on my Instagram stories, I love to ask you some questions about punk rock and share your answers here. So before we dive into the conversation I had with Dylan Montbourquet, an excellent drummer, I want to share your answers about who are your favorite punk rock drummers. I received a lot of answers and it's fantastic. I received a lot of answers for two drummer singers, Rodrigo from Satanic Surfers and Etienne Zion of the band Mute. And I think it's super impressive for real to see like <laughs> some people playing some very, very fast drums and singing super perfectly at the same time. Uh, it's like insane. Of course, you named Bill Stevenson because of Descendants, all Black Flag. It's a very, uh, very, very good drummer indeed. Smelly of no effects because of his personal story and the fact that he's a long time drummer. Travis Barker. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I have no choice but to agree with that. <laughs> We also all missed Derek Plourd, of course. A lot of you talked about him. Casey from Belvedere. Oh, wow. Yes, he's incredibly amazing to watch play drum. He's also a very nice dude. Yeah, one of the most popular answers was Brooks Walkerman from a former Bad Religion. He's now playing in Avenged Sevenfold. Uh, he plays also sometime, uh, from time to time in The Vandals. He replaced recently. And, you know, we, we talked a lot about, uh, about Brooks with Dylan in the interview. You'll see a little later. Oh, yeah. Derek Grant from Alkaline Trio. Um, Matt said, super creative and has amazing style. Fun to watch live. Yeah, so true. Oh, we just talked about the Vandals. But just freeze, of course. Fast, tight, professional, just an overall insane drummer. Paul Ramirez from The Flatliners. Oh, we talked about him too with Dylan. George from Propagandy. Mm, yeah. Jordan Burns too. Dave Grohl. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just reading your answer right now. Super fun. Dave Round because Lagwagon is the shit. A lot of people answered like there are too many to decide on just one. They all fucking rocks. I agree. <laughs> Vlad answered Bez from punk band Face Up and metal band Wired. He's kicking the drums like an animal. Oh, yeah. So fun to watch. You also named Frederick Larsen from Millen Collin and Darren Pfeiffer from Goldfinger. Yeah, I interviewed him. He's super passionate about drums and about so many things. Great guy. I read also Guillaume Fortin from Ten Foot Pole. Also, he's replacing in big wigs from times to times. He used to play in Our Darkest Days in Quebec City. 
Sean Sellers of Good Riddance. Yeah, I agree with you, Ryan. Good choice. Good pick. Our man from Sick of It All and Tress from Green Day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dave Brown from Lagwagon. I think I said that already. What else? What else? Carl Hood. <laughs> nice. I love that. Oh, Adam Willard from Social Distortions, but also he played, I think, with Offspring, Angel Nerve Waves. Yeah. I got some answers for Mike Cambra of Adolescence, uh, Dead by Stereo, etc. Super rad drummer and great guy, too. I also interviewed him at the beginning of the podcast. I can think it was episode four, three or four. Three and four, maybe. <laughs> so that was a survey of the day about punk rock drummers. But if you want, if you want to keep the conversation alive, just send me a DM and talk to me about your favorite drummers. I love to hear from you guys. Interview. And now let's talk about drums with Dylan Montbourquette. He knows a lot about drums. He's so passionate because, you know, I love drums, but I don't know that. I don't know this instrument at all. I just know that I could play if I could have um, stronger arms because when I play, I think I could be good, a good drummer. <laughs> but after 45 seconds, I my arms hurt. So maybe I should take some lessons. And it was super fun to learn from Dylan. I mean, he started to play drums when he was three years old. <laughs> It's super crazy. I love that. Um, so we talked about his journey with learning drums, started to play in punk bands when he was a teenager. We talked about what drummer influenced him and who he's still admiring a lot about his band Cluttered, and they just released a new album, so we talked about that. We also talked about how punk rock helped him to keep hope when he was fighting cancer. Um, we talked about his great music and friendship chemistry with Maddie Grace. Uh, I interviewed her a few episodes ago. She's amazing. Or she's an amazing artist. So yeah, Dylan is a great guy. I had so much fun talking with him for like an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> so enjoy. And during the interview, you're going to hear the song Dysphoria City Limits from Cluttered. And also Dylan's recommendation for a band from his local scene called No It's Fine. And the song Pieces Gemini... Libra. And by the way, I hate astrology, but this song is really good. <laughs> Let's go. Hi. Oh, hi. Hey. Nice How's to it going? You. Wow. Nice setup. Yeah, I, I, I do this for a living. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Can you hear me? It's fine? Yeah, you're good. You're a little low. Okay, wait. Uh, I'm just making sure all of my stuff is set up correctly. Arthur. There you go. Cool. So I'm just just want to make sure that everything is recording. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Yeah. Okay. We're fine. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So nice to see you. Yes. Cheers. I didn't have any uh, sparkling water left, so I'm having a non-alcoholic peach goes. Cheers. Perfect. I ran out of bubbly yesterday and I'm just back on the water. <laughs> yeah, but I love for to the drink non -drink, for the non-drinker punk rockers. I love it. I love to drink something fun when I mm -hmm. do some interviews, whether it's tea or coffee or sparkling stuff. Well, so. 
I I went to uh, there was a British uh, new pop up British uh, place that has like all the imported British sweets and that but they had Yorkshire tea and somebody was telling me about Yorkshire tea a couple of weeks ago that is the best tea in the world and they had it so I've been drinking Yorkshire tea for the last three days and I've been loving it it's it's like I thought Tetley was the best it's not Yorkshire tea is the best uh so Brits got this down they had punk in the beginning now they got tea well they've always (laughs) I guess it went the other way around we got it was tea then punk I don't know yeah we don't know well yeah that's an interesting question (laughs) (laughs) what came first British tea or punk rock (laughs) yeah (laughs) I think I'm gonna ask the question to the listeners for real I think it's good It has to go on the story later on today. Yeah. What's what came first? Oh, I love that. But okay, first <laughs> question that I ask to all my guests: uh, Where are you on this crazy planet? So on this crazy planet, I am in Halifax, Nova Scotia, at the end of Canada, sitting just looking out at the ocean. I'm like. 10 minutes from Peggy's Cove, mm. where everybody in the world wants to go when they come to Nova Scotia. It's I live on the road there. It's amazing. Uh, and how is it? Because you had the, the hurricane recently and it was pretty yeah. hard. I, I had a lot of thoughts for you personally and all the people there, all the punk rockers there. It was it was an insane. It's like we got through it uh, where I grew up in Sydney got hit way worse than we did. Oh. Um, so I was hearing a lot of damage from back home, uh, but I worked through it. So like I was downtown in one of the hotels working oh. when this was when this entire thing, we had no power running shows off of that. It was it was a couple of it was a couple of crazy days. Uh, yeah. But no, we 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 did good. It wasn't as bad as bad as they thought. There was still mm-hmm. lots of damage. You know, people were without power. I know our bass player in Clutter, yeah. she uh, Becca was without power for almost a week oh, and two days. Yeah, yeah. It's like they they they. I, I was going to bring a generator up to them and everything. Then that day they got their power back finally. So, mm, yeah, I thought But it yeah. was pretty stressful because you're like, okay, the storm is coming, and I don't know what it how it's gonna turn so mm-hmm. you're like waiting and oh. you, you you never know right it, it could come right through us it could pass right off right out, outside it's it's nova scotia the, the weather changes every 20 minutes you like <laughs> you there, you just look outside what's it like well right now it's sunny so let's try that yeah uh, <laughs> but i'm happy you're fine and you got yeah. the power back and, and um so is maddie still in ottawa uh, in ontario or was she uh, She, so Maddie is, yes, she's still in, in Ottawa. Okay. She just have, she got back into Halifax this morning. Oh, nice. Yeah, so uh, we just uh, finished uh, rehearsing for the first time in two months, uh, about 45 minutes ago. Everybody just left. As you can see, all the mics and everything are still set up in my room behind me. Yeah. And uh, oh, it was so great to see her. We, uh, me, me, Maddie, AJ and Becca just got together and we just played our set through for our show on uh, on this the coming Thursday. Uh, because I, I know you because of Maddie Grace, because she was yeah. my guest on the podcast and I met her briefly at the Puzza Fest. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was doing an acoustic set. And then I think we, we connected through I, I was, social media. I was there, too. Yeah, but we, not, we didn't meet personally the two of it us happens. yeah so uh but then we started to chat on instagram and i was and like you're so passionate about drums but also oh. about music in general so 
yeah, I was like, oh, yes. I want this guy on the podcast. So that's <laughs> why we we met. And but I really want to know more about all your journey with music, whether it's punk rock or like because I think you started really young. Yeah. Be... So I started playing drums when I was three years old. No. There's pictures of me playing drums with a drum kit at three. Uh, my parents got me a drum kit and then it went to this mini drum kit almost instantly because my uncle was a, uh, is he, he's a kid's performer is what oh. he did. And his, uh, there was something about drums when I went to see him play, I would look and it was just magic. And I, I, I just was always brought to drums. I remember always seeing oh. the instrument. So they remember me walking up to the drum kit and being able to emulate what he did. At three, four years old, just do the, do the, pop, pop, cut. that's in, then my parents were like, oh, so they bought me a drum kit at three. Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah. By the time I was five years old, I was playing, I was in guitar and drum lessons at the same time, you know, uh, primary grade one for us going through school. And I always had drums and I can remember like performing in grade three for a talent show. Oh, wow. Like playing drums. So it goes back super far. I had a, just, you know, a local cover band teacher at the time. My parents would bring me there and they let me play this crazy instrument as a young kid. It's a blessing and a curse, really. <laughs> so your parents were super supportive right in the beginning because some people Very. don't want to to hear a drum at home. <laughs> And well, I, exactly. Right. Um, a, a lot of people, it's like you hear drums and it's like, this needs to stop right now. Yeah. I'm super grateful for my current neighbors that don't complain about me having a full punk band in the basement of my house. Wow. But yeah, it's, uh, it's just, I had a garage luckily and where my dad's plumbing stuff was, he was a plumber and, uh, I was just able to have it out there and go out and play whenever I wanted. And it was an instrument that I just picked up. I didn't pick up guitar again, probably till, grade six, oh. but I was, I, they wanted me to play guitar. I stopped because I didn't like it. I couldn't do it. Uh, then I started playing drums. I got really, you know, as a kid for really good as a kid. And yeah. then eventually I got back and, and started teaching myself guitar. But it's interesting because, uh, I mean, your first influence was your uncle, your family, yep. but because yep. I remember when I started singing, it was because I I was super musically in love with a singer here in Quebec named yeah. Julie Maas. And I was like, I want to sing too. But I feel like for drums, did you already have like a model? So not a model, but a role model about drums or an inspiration I, like in the music scene in general? Um, I think it's easier no. for singers. <laughs> No, I, I, I didn't. I was more in love with the instrument than yeah. the players at the time. So one vivid memory I have, I can't tell you the age, the age but I know it was on a big shiny tunes, maybe a big ah. shiny tunes one. Yeah, and I remember, I remember listening to those as a kid and being able to pick out that's a bass drum. That's a snare drum. Oh. And that's doing this. That's doing this. And I remember saying this out loud. It's one of these vivid memories I have from a kid being able to separate music. I had this really crazy thing happening right now uh, because of being a musician. And I'm sure a lot of people can agree with this as well. I don't know what it's like to not listen to music from a musician's point of view. Yeah. But I could always listen to music from not from a musician's point of view, sure. because I remember as a kid it, figuring out 
that's this, that's this. And then I would sit behind this little white drum kit that I have and I could make these beats in my head by myself. And I just kept with it my entire life. That's fun. For me, it was with vocal harmonies. Yeah. (laughs) I was noticing the harmonies right away. Like, and I would do it. Yep. By myself all the time, but I think it's uh, it's usual with uh, bassists and drummers. What you tell mm-hmm. a lot of bassists and drummers told me that that's interesting. Yeah, yeah it's it, it's all the rhythm and like even like well, so with cluttered, we're playing uh, on this weekend on Thursday. We're playing four new songs. We just played them for the first time ever, not a half hour ago. Wow! And I I, I went up at the end and I'm like, hey Becca, uh, this one part here and this one part here. Can you play it like this? Just because I wrote the drums around that bass line on our recording, but we never played it live before. So when we play it live with the band, it was like, oh, this part's missing because it's being played a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, so it, bass and drums, there's some basses that I just lo- like, it's almost like we have one brain. It's like, I don't know how we can stop at the exact same time, but we feel it. It's so yeah. cool when you lock in with a bass player. Yeah, you need you need that chemistry. Yeah. between the drums and the bass player for sure exactly exactly <laughs> okay so but when you 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 became a teenager uh what who was your your inspiration then at this um, time? tony hawk pro skater one hmm. that was my inspiration uh i remember you know like big shiny tunes hearing a bunch of canadian artists but like nothing really came out i can remember obviously the offspring when mm-hmm. americana came out Um, that was the record I didn't, I was a little too young for smash. So I heard Americana and, uh, get it actually, uh, the offspring played here in Halifax last night and like Josh Reese was here a whole bunch. I couldn't find him. He didn't answer, but anyway, that happens. Um, but yeah, the offspring actually played here last night. Super, super funny and random. Listen to why don't you get a job on the radio? It caused me to start liking the punk genre in -hmm. the very beginning And it made me fall in love at first with a piccolo snare drum mm-hmm. because that big tight, that ding, ding of the, of the snare drum. I just remember, I love that sound. So my parents took me to the music store and they oh. said, how do we get this sound? And the person there said a piccolo snare drum. And that was my first like new ish, like, like single piece of a drum kit was this Dixon maple piccolo snare drum. <laughs> and <clears throat> going from that, You know, uh, at 97, uh, starting to skateboard and that as a kid, you know, being eight, nine years old, everybody else was doing it. Um, we, I remember hearing You by Bad Religion. Oh. It's it, I, I classified as the first Bad Religion song I've ever heard. And the song in my life that made me go, this is my genre. Oh, wow. I'll never forget the, the just before Greg Graffin goes, there's a place where everyone can be happy. That big fill with the big giant toms. I knew that's what I wanted to do. So, you know, you get into the menu of Tony Hawk Pro Skater, you start turning off all the hip hop tracks. So it just plays punk. And that's really, that's how I learned the punk rock genre. I have Tony Hawk to thank. I will thank him at some point if I ever meet him in my life. Be like, oh, listen, yeah. my life is like this because of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1. I was just the right age. I discovered the music. Technology was this there to have real music instead of MIDI tracks, which you were used to with Super Mario and all those nerdy things. Yeah. And I, I was done. It was punk rock. I remember that. And uh, in, in, in Darren Pfeiffer doing uh, with the, the intro of uh, Superman. Goldfinger. Will forever yeah. be in my head. 
that once again, piccolo snare drum, that big, tight ska sound. Had no idea what ska was at the time, but apparently eight-year-old me loved it. (laughs) Eight years old. Yeah. And I think it's super interesting that you, because you were so young, like at three, Mm -hmm. like you definitely had something for drums before really knowing about the yeah. music. Like it was your instinct at this it, age. It, it, that's the thing. I learned drums before I learned music. Exactly. That's amazing. I totally yeah. love this. Uh, yeah. So drums be, uh, came first before punk rock, but then mm-hmm. you finally merged the two of uh, once what once Tony Hawk came out it was all over it was just punk rock from there on out I remember getting my uh one of my my, my sister to download like a bad religion song on Napster <laughs> <laughs> like you know and it was just the same song and that's that's what it was because I were you and I are in this weird age where we grew up with and yeah. without technology oh yeah right so you know Windows 98 it took you a day and a half to download <laughs> one song. <laughs> it's you know and here we are chatting I from know. Halifax Nova Scotia and Quebec on a so you know funny and you you yeah I, I I remember the transition between before and after internet and yep you talked about offspring Americana and there's a story I tell to a lot of people but like I became like very popular in my high school because I was burning CDs of Americana <laughs> Illegally, oops! I didn't know, I love it. but at this time I didn't know it was illegal. You know, it was just oh, I mean, starting, yeah. so it was like oh. until <laughs> until the i i uh, until the iPod came out. I was still burning CDs. I didn't get an iPod pod to like 2009. Yeah. <laughs> I was burning CDs up until then. I was just American was the one I sold the most. Like I, we, 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 my dad and I would sell them like five bucks. But it was just like, I love that. I think we made like one dollar profit. It wasn't just it wasn't for the money <laughs> it was just no it's it's for the it's for spreading the love of punk rock and yeah. like in music and that's kind of just my whole vibe i always try to do i just try to spread the love of music and that to anybody it's like oh i don't like that screaming music and i'm like well let's talk about that really get into it it's like you see it as screaming music but let's dissect it like aggressive. And you'll hear something really amazing yeah it's not just aggressive That's it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And (laughs) you're totally right about the intro of the Goldfinger song. You know, you notice immediately the drums. Yep. It's (laughs) And like, as I said, I listened to Darren's uh, podcast with you and I hear him talk about that. And it was it was really cool to me just hearing his version of you know, how that even happened. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, they hated each other from the very beginning. I loved it. It was <laughs> at the restaurant. It's incredible. They were like picking at, at each other at the restaurant and being like yeah. very arrogant. And I mean, <laughs> I, I understand that too. I've walked in, like, I don't walk out to people and say, oh yeah, I'm a drummer. Like, I never say that to people. So I understand where it comes from. And then it's more when you sit down to play with somebody, you can be a great drummer, mm-hmm. but if you, your chemistry with the rest of your band isn't there, it ain't going to sound good. Oh yeah. You know, I've been in with a lot of bands with great musicians where the chemistry wasn't there and I end up bowing out of the band for that reason. It's like, oh. it's not the same vibe. So like when I found Cluttered or sorry, when I found Maddie and we formed Cluttered, it was like, oh, oh, we don't have to talk. We can just write music and it just comes out the way it is. This is incredible. When did you meet? So Maddie and I first met in 2000. 
Oh, a long time ago. Seven. Oh, seven. Okay, I thought you were yeah. like... No, not 2000, 2007. <laughs> I had to like, remember for seven or eight. <laughs> okay. Um, my, I, it was my graduating year of high school, and we played... Uh, my, my punk band in Sydney, it was called Ricochet. We played in Moncton at, uh, at a festival. And Maddie's first band played there. Uh, that was called the Dead Pinkertons. Mm-hmm. And my band was playing and we said, hi, this. And then we played another couple shows together. Then I just knew them as a uh, as a Halifax punk rock musician, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, years went on. We started to do we know each other and this. But I mean, her, her and I haven't really started talking until uh a little bit after her transition. Okay. And then uh, until the pandemic when, you know, she she would always be like, hey, here's some songs I'm working on. And I would always say, there's something to, Maddie, we have to work together. There's something here to the songs you're writing and I can hear your full band. Oh. And there's something really cool. And I, say, I, I said that to her when she was doing, I think, the Rumination Year tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was when, uh, just before the pandemic, it was, uh, them and Designosaur, who are basically the other two people in Cluttered going on tour together. And I'm like, I hear something. I think one of the songs was Kanat Shabukto that we have. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the songs I remember. I'm like, I hear something in this track. Wow. We have to do something together. So when the pandemic hit, we got to do something together and that form cluttered. Oh, so yeah, I yeah. remember a little that story. So you could picture drums on the honor solo stuff. I, th- th- well, yes. Like a lot of people say, it's like, how do you write your drums? I'm like, well, I just listen to it and then I'll play you what goes on in my head. When I practice, I practice in my head. I just figure out what I'm going to play. And then I, it just comes out when I sit down behind the drum kit. Oh, so, oh, so that's why you have such a, Nice chemistry with her because it's been a while. Oh. I thought it was in the t- oh, yeah. 2000, but even 2007, <laughs> it's been a while, well, you know. <laughs> that's 2007 is 15 years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's still a long time. How I old, don't remember 15 years back. <laughs> how old were you? Because I think you're. Uh, I would have been probably 18, oh, just okay. turning 19. Wow. Yeah. So you started to play with her with other musicians too. And what was your project at this time and how was your life and like uh well i mean we all grow differently right like basically uh to to back it up to lead up to that that's kind of the end of my teen years right but i i played in a whole bunch of different bands back in sydney for years and years and years but you probably you probably tried many genres or oh Yeah, well, like Or when I was 16, playing. I played in a Tool cover band. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, 10,000 Days wasn't even out yet when I did that Tool cover band. You oh. know, it's it's like I started studying this and in like 2002, I started studying Frank Zappa. And when I started studying Frank, that's when I was like, okay, what kind of musician am I going to be? I wasn't like, I still loved punk, but I went in, you know, learned a lot of Led Zeppelin and a mm-hmm. lot of classic rock, oh. you know, tattooed a lot of it on my, on my arm. I got my lead, my John Bonham tattoo, oh. like every other influence because all drummers start for the most part from the same influence. Dave Grohl wouldn't be who he is if it wasn't for John Bonham and then, you know, Taylor Hawkins wouldn't be who he was if it wasn't for Dave girl. It's the funniest thing. Right. But we all have the same influences. We just 
pick them and use them very differently. Mm -hmm. So I remember uh, getting in 1999 or 2000, I guess, uh, getting uh, Anima of the State by Mm Blink-182. And that's when I realized drums are fast. (laughs) Yeah. That's when I realized that people can play very quick. And uh, there was a Led Zeppelin song that was on Led Zeppelin 1 called Good Times, Bad Times. And my introduction into being able to play punk was good times, bad times, because John Bonham played this double bass drum mm-hmm. feel, but he only had one pedal and I had to learn how to play it. So when the days of he does these doubles on the bass drum and I sat with that for oh. almost a year and learned how to play that very quick. And then someone said to me, he's like, you can probably play SoCal punk really well. I mean, oh, you mean this? And I just played the beat <laughs> as quick as I could. And someone's like, whoa, you're really good at that. That was probably 2003, I think, something like that. You by Bad Religion. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I remember learning First Date when it came out because I also got that that track for Christmas mm-hmm. and like learning baka, 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 there's going to be a lot of gibberish drum talk on this podcast. So I'm sorry, <laughs> but basically what I'm doing is no, just... No, I think it's fun. I, I... No. I love this that. is how drummers talk. It's exactly. Like, once again, it's 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 so funny to hear like Kate and my wife, Kate and I will be watching a drumming uh, uh, documentary and they're sitting there talking out drum parts. And she looks at me. She's like, so you're not crazy. People <laughs> do this. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, but, we do. Also, it's not in the topic necessarily, but like because as a singer, I always see a lot of singers everywhere like all the interviews with bands or with the singer and blah 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 but for drums and basses I think you have to just dig a little more and find some like underground interviews with the drummers because they don't have enough attention in my opinion so I'm I'm, I will never be the front person of a band and I'm fine (laughs) with that yeah I know that I need other musicians to help me grow And that's just who I am. Like uh, I've mentioned in the past to a lot of people, I don't listen to lyrics of music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Greg Graffin is way too smart for me. I don't know what the, I had to Google what dichotomy meant. I'm like, oh. you know, like uh, automatons and business suits swinging black boxes. What the, what does that mean? I don't know. I just don't do well with lyrics, but the melody and the harmonies and how that all comes together That's just another instrument in my brain. Wow. Oh, I thought it was just my English problem. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's not. No, no. No, yeah. no. <laughs> That's really funny. Oh, uh... so, yeah. It's, it's, you know, when I was growing up and then I started, uh, I started studying all these musicians and drummers and switching genres between, you know, uh, Uh, the cool story is when I started studying Frank Zappa, I really got into Terry Bozio mm-hmm. and Chad Wackerman. These are two amazing jazz drummers. Uh, Terry Bozio is a little on the other spectrum, but Chad Wackerman is one of the, he played with uh, every jazz group that out there. He's an incredible musician. And I fell in love with the way that he played drums. Mm-hmm. So I remember in, uh, I might be wrong in the date, you might know it, uh, 2001, when the newest Bad Religion record came out. They had a brand spanking new drummer. Bruce. And I downloaded the music video uh, of uh, of uh, Sorrow. 
So when Sorrow came out as their single, they had this new drummer and he's sitting there and he's playing drums, but his hands are doing something different than I normally oh. see drummers do. And it was just the way that he played. And I, and I said to myself, I'm like, that, uh, that drummer holds his sticks like Chad Wackerman. And I'm like, he looks like Chad Wackerman. <laughs> I Google Makes it sense. and it's, it's Brooks it Wackerman. It's his little brother. Now, Chad and Brooks have a 19-year gap in between each other, but they were both taught by their dad in the same teacher, so they have the same oh. skills. But if you look at punk drumming and people who put in the work, Brooks did the most because he comes from a well-trained jazz family. Mm -hmm. And when I say oh. jazz family, I mean, you, you, can't, you can't go any farther than stopping at your family of Frank Zappa. If your brother was a Frank Zappa musician, you, that back in those days, that was the best thing to do. So studying a lot of that in all these different drummers and how to play rock and roll and how he did it and the expressive in music of not caring what anybody else did. Frank wrote a song without notes. Who writes songs without <laughs> notes? Uh, yeah, good point. <laughs> Yeah. And that's kind of where, and then when I started going back into the punk genre, going to bad religion, hearing those, uh, you know, the, the, the empire came first and, uh, oh my God, I, what's the name of the first record? Uh, you mean the first record ever? No, no, no. The first record that, oh, that in 2000. I'm not good with the chronology of bad religion because they're, they have too much, uh, Recipe for hate. No, yeah. not recipe for hate. My God. The gray race. Uh, wait, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I think the punk police, the punk rock police could arrest out. us right now because we don't know. Oh, the oh my God. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm done. I'm, I, I may as well just <laughs> the punk, like, oh, we deserve well, some fan. I am. We deserve <laughs> to be in a punk rock jail for not knowing all the bad religion album. Oh, in my God. But the thing is, I do. I'm just put on the spot. I'm put on the spot. I know these things like the back of my hand. <laughs> Oh my God! I'm This so sorry. Really funny. No, don't be. I don't know that either. <laughs> And uh, Bad Religion for me was the uh, that kind of band when I'm not necessarily listening to albums. I listen mm -hmm. to specific songs at a specific time, or I do like a playlist with different songs. <laughs> It's, mm -hmm. I have some bands like that. Descendants. It's exactly the same thing. Yeah, but like, see, I, yeah. I was always an album person. So if I listen to a band their album needs to be good front to back and yeah. uh, process of the belief 2002. Yeah. That was, that, that was honestly when I started being like, Oh, you can be an amazing drummer in punk rock. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at back into like just normal drumming, I'm like, not that it doesn't fit because some of the drumming that are on some punk records, it's, it's simple. It's fast. It's sloppy. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. But then you have people like Adam Willer, Brooks Wackerman, Travis Barker, Dave yeah. Ron and all of these pre people doing punk rock note for note, perfectly and clean and technical. And that's when it changed. That's when I realized that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. right? And like Brooks and now plays in Avenge Sevenfold, which is like <laughs> super fucking technical and like it's crazy. Well, and that's the thing, right? Brooks can do Avenge Sevenfold because he was trained to be, to be dynamic. Brooks can play jazz. He can play jazz fusion. He can do polyrhythms he can play odd meters like he is he is one of the most versatile drummers out there but he's in our punk genre which yeah. i love 
which is why he fills in for everybody when once again Travis Barker couldn't go to uh Australia back when he could when he didn't fly due to his plane crash. Yeah. Brooks Wackerman <laughs> was the guy who replaced him in Australia. Yep. So, you know, that was the doggy dog tour just before Tom left and you know, we're wow. dealing with our with our with our blink age again right now, so it's kind of fun, but but yeah, it was growing up and then being in all these bands with friends. And as I was going to say earlier, um, all my friends are a lot older than me mm. because when I was 14, I could play like the people who were 18 and 19 yeah. and 20. Those were the people I started playing with because I could keep up with them because I've already known my instrument and I already it, studied and played a lot. Was it complicated to play shows at this time? Um, Playing shows from 2005 till 2009 was probably the worst. No, what time was it? No, 2008. Yeah, 2008, I turned 19. And uh, the, it, Nova Scotia has such ridiculous bar laws that getting an underage person with the with the papers to fill in, and I had to have oh. a chaperone, I had to leave the second I played. It was like, I'm just trying to be a musician, guys. Oh, This yeah. is what we have. So between all ages and bar shows, I played a lot of bar shows before you were, before I was 19, like a lot. I, my first bar show, I was 14 years old. Wow. You know, and at playing the time, with my friend. When you were like 14, you played punk, punk shows and maybe punk This venues. Was, I think, uh, I think when I was that age, but absolutely punk venues, punk this, uh, I remember, uh, there was a couple places in Sydney. We had CB locals is what it was called. This is before Facebook. There was a big message board and there was a huge locals community, uh, wow. within music here, whether it was punk, this rock and roll dance. Uh, we were all there. We all played and metal bands came up. We were all young kids turning, turning into adults figuring out how to play music together. And it was just what I did from the age of, you know, grade seven up until I moved away, moving back to Halifax to create my own life. But my childhood, I had so much fun playing drums with this, meeting new friends and that I was lucky. Lucky is the way to be. I had no, you know, uh, Maddie and I talk about this a lot. I think it's in her podcast as well. Of mm -hmm. My parents wouldn't let me listen to this. So I hid under the covers and I listened to these records. And that's how I learned punk. My, my parents bought me Americana for yeah. grading day, I think. I was allowed to listen to whatever I wanted. I was able to be exposed to Frank Zappa's crazy lyrics when I was 14, 13 years old and figuring out all these crazy musicians that mean so much to me now. Mm -hmm. But learning from them when I was younger was just spectacular, you know? Yeah. And, but starting that young, could you already feel the punk values and the punk attitude and, you know? Yes. And the reason why is because I hit hard. That was my, that was my niche when I was younger. It's like everyone learning to play. If I get up, I just arms up and off I go. I'm the loudest drummer in the room. And I was always asked, you have to turn down. Well, I'm sorry. I can't. I just play like this. So because of that, I had this punk attitude, but I was playing different genres. I was playing a lot of like maybe Red Hot Chili Peppers style was one mm -hmm. kind of band that I was playing in, uh, a little bit of Audio Slave stuff in there because they were huge back in 2004 and 2005. And, uh, you know, learning to play all these different drummers, but they still hit hard, so I sounded good with it. So in 2007, when I, or no, uh, I joined another punk band in 2005, going into 2006 with a couple of friends of mine. 
And that was my first punk band because they realized I could play fast. Mm -hmm. So I started doing that in 2007. I joined my punk band Ricochet. I played with them for until 2011. And then I moved to, and then I moved to Halifax, but Ricochet was the punk band that I was in. We were Sydney's punk band. They're still Sydney's punk band. Uh, they still exist. They, oh. I'm not the drummer, but they are still a punk band since uh, 2006. They started. I started playing in 2007 with them. Oh, yeah. Oh, so you did. I wasn't their first drummer, but no, I was. I, I thought you were. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I didn't form the band with them. I came in afterwards. And then uh, and then when we came in with me, then the sound changed. And then it became what Ricochet sounded mm -hmm. like. We took the songs that were written before. We redid them with me and how I sounded. We made three, uh, two albums together. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was lovely. It was good. Um, but we... Um, Uh, just with life and the way things go, you know, had a lot of issues through that band, uh, mm -hmm. mostly with my health and stuff. And we prevailed on, but that was the band when I was going through those issues that I was playing with a lot. So we were heavily gigging. We were well known in our punk scene with all these bands. And that's when I knew that punk was the, was the genre I was going to do. I channeled everybody. Um, one person, he's a huge, uh, he's a very big, Uh, influence on me now was uh, Derek Grant. Um, I didn't know Derek Grant, but I knew the Suicide Machines. Yeah. <laughs> right? So I knew the Suicide Machines and I'm listening to the, to uh, to this record uh, and I'm like, the drumming on this, uh, Derek Grant plays over the bar line, he plays really fast, these crazy fills and uh, that's when I started listening to Alkaline Trio, I'm like, wait, this is the same guy? That just shows you the diversity. You can go from Suicide exactly. Machines to the to Alkaline Trio's drumming. There's nothing crazy with Alkaline Trio, but it's the same guy. And I love that it's the same person. That he's incredible one thing. He fills in for the Vandals as well. But, you know, it's just, <clears throat> I, I, I channeled these guys in that band. And then I just really started learning it after the fact. Wow. Yeah, yeah you're right. And it's fun that drummers try other bands but like the same genre but different bands and they just i feel like they just want to have fun and just try something else I, whoever would have me whoever would let me play is what i did because in 2008 that's when uh our local band scene like our cover band scene found me hmm. and they started using me for sessions because i could shuffle i learned how to play country very really well i learned how to play blues very well because i was taught uh from my drum instructor for that stuff Because you have to be able to swing mm -hmm. in order to play. And swing comes into a lot of punk as well. Um, you know, there's so much more to just go. There's so much more yeah. to it. And that's what I try to add into the bands that I play in. Yeah, exactly. And you can add the, the, those different techniques after that, even in punk rock. Like, it well, makes everything more... is stolen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everything I do is stolen. But... As drummers, we go down the line. It's like Blank just did that fill. He he probably took that from somebody. Well, I got to I was I was chatting with the drummer of Pup mm. on uh, the other day. Just happened to message him. He was looking for hand warm ups, and then he told me what he was working on. Just you know, just a random conversation with a random person. Him and I are not friends. I don't know yeah. him. He just happened to message me back. Wow! And I ask him. I'm like. Hey, there's a drum part in a song on the first pup record. I've always been curious about where your influence came from. Cause that was, you know, 10 years ago. It was like, I, and, uh, 
it wasn't Pine Point. It was one of those songs, like second last song on the first pop mm-hmm. record. And he's like, yeah, I was listening to a lot of the Mars Volta at that time. So I put this weird polyrhythm thing. In. Oh, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's sweet. Everything is stolen. It's like I influenced that. And that's why this part is in that song. And I'm like, that's awesome. I, it's such a cool story to know. Wow. You know, and- uh, we steal everything. Everything. That's that's the main yeah. thing. We hear other drummers were influenced. We take their parts and we make it our own. I'm intrigued by something I read. Um, I think you told me that, but you you ran a drum festival when you were like a teenager. Or so. Yeah. So uh, I was involved with. It. I didn't run. Uh, okay. The person who was the who who put it on. He was running it, but he was my drum teacher at the time. So, you know, he started getting me involved. I started helping out. I started helping out with drummers. So, you know, it's super weird to be sitting, like, I'm not 100% if these names mean anything Mm -hmm. to you, but it's super crazy to be sitting at a table and you're looking at Bernard Purdy from Aretha Franklin and uh, 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 Steely Dan. It's like, that dude played on Aja, one of the most influential records of all time. Next to him, him is Denny Sewell. Denny Sewell is a drummer for Wings. He may as well be uh, Ringo Starr. Oh, oh. And then, and then to my left, Alan White from John Lennon and Yes. He played on Imagine. Oh, <laughs> you shit. know. And then at the end of the table is Billy Cobham. And I was surrounded by all these crazy drummers at a super young age. And I, I was just lucky. I was lucky to sit with these guys. I was lucky to learn to, 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 to be their friend, you know, befriended a few Uriel Jones from, uh, uh, from the Funk Brothers. And uh, uh, bu- 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 he was in the Temptations. He was a Temptations drummer. He was James Brown's drummer. Hmm. He was also the drummer for, uh, for, he was Stevie Wonder's drummer as well. And I got to know him, him and his wife uh, before he passed away because he came down for clinics with us. And we went, we went out for oh. supper and, Those experiences I'll never get again. And to hear somebody tell you, you know, you have to feel this. It's like, this is how we did it in the 70s. Bernard Purdy gave me the best advice. He's like, you can play it fine, but you're not feeling the groove. And Uh, that stuck with me my entire drumming life. You play it, but you don't feel it. And that's the difference. So that's why you hear it. It's like, that's Brooks Wackerman playing drums. That's Travis Barker playing drums. That's right, Dave Ron. That's Dave Girl. That's John Bond. Like we can tell because these people, drumming is a voice to us. You can hear it. Yeah, that's that person, and they're incredible. Mm. Did you say? I'm not sure if my English was okay, but you met the guy who almost played in the Beatles. No. Uh, so Denny Sewell was the drummer of Wings. So when the Beatles left, oh, okay, the first, okay, okay. Yeah, because the first drum, yeah, I the first drummer a, who replaced them. Okay, okay, okay. Because I I read a book recently, and it's a st- the fiction story of the guy who almost played Harry Potter in the movies. <laughs> and in yeah. the book, they mention how bad the guy who replay who who was supposed to play in the Beatles on the drums, uh, how. Uh, how shitty it was for him to see Ringo, <laughs> you know. So I thought it. So yeah, I thought uh, it remind me Pete of that Best. book. Yeah, Pete okay. Best was the first drummer of the Beatles. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So they mentioned so, it in the book. It's a, it's a very nice book if you. Uh, yeah. It's called so Number Two. Mine is post. So post Beatles <laughs> when the Beatles it. broke up, and then Paul McCartney had Wings. Yeah. John Lennon had John Lennon. 
uh, Alan White was his drummer, and he's play. He's wow. on Imagine. He's on Instant Karma. He's on all the uh, Yoko and John Lennon stuff. And he was an amazing drummer. I think he just passed away there last mm. year. Uh, cool. He he did. I have a whole bunch of signed stuff from them, and I just I'm lucky. I got lucky to be involved in this drum yeah. festival. Uh, I got to meet Chad Wackerman once. Uh, Chad was an amazing human. Uh, I've met, you know, Tommy Cluftus. I can't say his last name. He's Ozzy Osbourne's drummer and Black Sabbath. Uh, He was playing with Rob Zombie at the time that I met him. Um, And just all these drummers that came to this festival that I helped run. So not only was I attending, I was backstage with these people. Wow. Helping them, grabbing drum pieces for them and performing as well. You know, being a Frank Zappa fan, I ended up playing the Black Page. Uh, Ed Mann, who was uh, Frank's percussionist, was at the festival as well. He heard me play the song. The next year, him and I played it together. So I'm playing Frank Zappa parts in 2008 with Frank Zappa's percussionist playing the song together. And these are the experiences that I got to move forward in music as I grew in from a teenager to an adult, being like, music is a passion. And I've taken everything I've learned to make it my own. You speaking of passion, you told me a story, a very funny and beautiful and like emotional story about you do everything you can to go to a show, like everything. to go play I, a show. So maybe you want to share it to, to the listeners, but uh, so it's up to what, you. What, what Emily's referring to that, but at end of 2008 and the beginning of 2009, uh, I started getting Uh, I started having pain in my face and I remember I was playing, uh, this 2008 coming into 2009 at, around Christmas time. I was playing a show with, uh, uh, alongside Matt Mays, who is a Halifax artist, the band I was playing, it was opening. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember after the first set, I've been going into what's called pain shocks And uh, to make the story a lot shorter, because trust me, there's a whole other podcast about this story, oh. if anyone ever wants to hear it, um, is that uh, in when I was 19, year old, 19 years old, I was diagnosed with lymphoma. Mm. So uh, basically, I had a tumor that grew in the side of my face. Oh. And as it got bigger and bigger, it started pushing all my teeth out. Oh, So we couldn't figure out why it's super rare. It makes no sense why I got it. We still don't know to this day, like what caused it. It's all genetic, but it's just one of these rare things that happens to mm-hmm. humans. And I, I, I tell you, uh, if I didn't have music, I would have, I would have dropped easy. Mm. I would have given up if oh. I didn't have that passion of music. Uh, that was not something I don't think I would have gotten through the way that I did. Mm-hmm. So uh, I remember that my band, as I mentioned before, Ricochet, we were playing, uh, we were playing a lot at the time. Like we were constantly playing every, every weekend. And then there was a battle of the bands at our like local university. It's like, sure, thousand or $10,000 is the prize. Sweet. We can record a record for that. That's awesome. And uh, so we're playing and then I get sick. I get this pain and I can't, and I'm, I'm struggling to play, but I'm still playing drums. I'm in a lot of pain, but I'm still going through it. So I was in the first time we had to play. I asked a friend of mine to fill in for me because I was up here in Halifax where I currently am now and, uh, having, uh, four teeth removed, trying to figure out what's wrong with me. So my friend who was now our guitar player in Ricochet after this happened, he filled in on drums for, for me for the first day. 
we got through. This is awesome. Cool. I'll be back next week. Not a problem, guys. Uh, get back from Halifax. A couple of days later, I'm now in the hospital. So this went on. Uh, I spent about two and a half months in the hospital dealing with these things. Doctors oh, couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. Had my headphones and I had a practice pad on my bedside. Uh, I did not stop Whoa. drumming. Uh, if I went home for a second, I would play my drums. I would come back. It's all I wanted to do. The band came in to see me all the time. And this is, you know, I'm living in a hospital now. So the story that you're referring to is uh, round two of the Battle of the Bands is coming up. And I'm admitted into the hospital. Uh, I'm going undergoing some treatments or figuring out what's wrong with me. We currently don't know that I have lymphoma, oh. uh, but the pain is a lot and is getting bigger. They're treating me with different antibiotics and this. They think it's an infectious disease. I might have all these crazy things, but we don't know. Uh my band's like, what are you going to do? Do we get our friend to fill in? I'm like, no, I'm playing. <laughs> They're I'm like, you're in the play. hospital. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I like. You're, you're in the hospital. I'm like, no, I'm playing. You're I'm like, going. okay, but how are we going to do this? <laughs> I said, okay, uh, we're playing at seven. <laughs> uh, I get my meds at five 30, six o'clock. I'm going to ask for a, for an evening pass. So they let me out for four hours until my next thing of meds, I think around nine or 10 o'clock. So where are you going? Oh, I'm going to get coffee with a couple of friends of mine. Oh, okay, cool. That's no problem. Can you take the IV out of my hand? Why would you need that? Well, I don't want it. They don't want to get dirty. And they're like, no, no, you can leave the IV in. I need my hands. I can't tell them that because what if they say no? Of course, I get it. But. So I, uh, I tell them I'm going to get coffee and then we get home and I say, guys, I'm good. I'm out. I got the IV in my hand though. <laughs> so we go and uh, we, I pick my drum stuff up. Uh, Seamus, my, my friend in Ricochet, he helped me set my drum kit up because I'm incredibly weak at this point. Yeah. He gets it all set up for me. I sit down. And just before we sat down, I put a bunch of tape over so it wouldn't move. It was on the top of my hand coming over my knuckles so first song starts and i start the the drum beat and it's basically like a four on the floor kind of thing big heavy loud i'm about in halfway into the first verse of the song i start sweating so much the tape starts coming off oh every time i hit my snare drum it's just instant pain with my left hand because the iv's in there and the the skin is super thin there so it's thin, like right? super, it, it hurts very fast. Yeah. So halfway through this song, I look down at my hand. I see blood dripping from it. No. So I put my hand up in the air and I played the rest of the song <laughs> with one hand. No fucking way. Uh, you don't stop. It doesn't matter what's wrong with you. When you're playing, you don't stop. Mm -hmm. It's never a thing to stop. So I got through the first song and I, I yelled out, does anybody have any duct tape? All of a sudden, there's a big roll of blue duct tape in my hand. I wrap my hand in the in the IV. I get it in, and the IV start to pop out. I pushed it back in. I wrap my hand in, in in duct tape. Hit the snare drum. I'm good. It's not hurting anymore. It wasn't until like the last two songs or something like that that this IV started to come back out with all the sweat from the tape. My hands dripped in blood. Put my hand up in the air. I played the last two songs with one hand, and then wow. I don't remember what happened. <laughs> no, really. I, I just, the only thing I remember, like I didn't pass out or anything. It's just, that's where my memory stops from this night. The only other thing I remember was my mom on one side and one of my friends on my left carrying me out after playing drums. They had to carry me out of the venue. Mm -hmm. Like I literally left the drum kit 
went into the car, somebody else tore my drums down. Wow. Yeah, because so, it took all your energy that you had. Every few, little bit that I had. few energy that you had was for that. And then probably you just it's, like, oh. It's passion. It's like, if I didn't do that, what am I living for? Oh, I love that. It's so, you know, such, such, a, it's amazing. Yeah. It doesn't matter how sick I am or how sick I could have been, or I might have been, because I didn't know at this time. I just know I'm in the hospital being treated. Yeah. Um, but this, uh, and we get back, uh, my mom drove me back to the hospital. I roll in and they took one look at me. Once again, I just got off stage 20 minutes ago. I'm still sweating. <laughs> I walk oh. in and the nurse looks at me. Her name is Shauna Rodman. She's still on my Facebook. We still chat every now and then. She calls me drummer boy. Has <laughs> since the day she met me. Wow. And this is why. Because yeah, I walk practicing. in, she's like, where were you? I'm like, um, she's like, what did you do? And I'm like, well, she's like, come into the room now. She goes in, she gets me cleaned up. She's like, you went and played a show, didn't you? I'm like, yeah. She's like, Dylan. I'm like, I didn't think you'd let me go. She's like, probably wouldn't have. I'm like, right? <laughs> covered in sweat, the, oh, yeah. the IV covered in blue duct tape. You were, you had your uh, coffee lie stories ready. <laughs> oh, coffee was so hot, I'm sweating and like. <laughs> uh, that wasn't even close to believable. It was, <laughs> it was straight up just. I was so drenched that everything was. I was just came in smelly and that. I just it was so bad. I was in like. Uh, I still find it funny. <laughs> I oh. love it. I love it. I love like, everything about this story. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't No, no, please. It's, it's, it's one of these things like, so it's a story to cut you off, but I mean, oh, yeah. when we're talking about cancer and mm -hmm. stuff like that, my band knew instantly, all we did was made fun of, made but fun of cancer. It's not just fun. It's like, that's what life is about. And you it's got it. it. Like you, you knew that and you're right. You yeah. have to laugh about it, you know, and the entire time. It's like, you're going to make me carry that bag. I have cancer. I'm not carrying that bag. Like <laughs> stuff like that, even just for that when it was happening, because it lightens the mood of what's actually happening. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I'm overweight now. I'm bald. I have no hair. I'm going through chemo and I look like a cancer patient. I'm still playing drums. I'm touring mm -hmm. through chemo treatments, Wow. you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm going, we went to Moncton with the band and I did that, you know, after we found out what happened and I was released from the hospital, but a couple of, you know, a couple of things beforehand. So every time I asked for a day pass, they're like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to watch a show. You're not playing. I am not playing, <laughs> you know, because I was well enough to leave, but I, I had to stay there because we had no idea what was wrong with me. Yeah. And from the Oof. day that I was told, hey, you have lymphoma to to chemo was four days. Oh. We found out four days later I was getting treatment. Yeah, because like you said, it's a maybe unusual symptoms. So it, they it made no sense. Yeah. Uh, so. It's still to this day, it's like you shouldn't be in pain. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't look right. We have you on the Bit on the most expensive and biggest antibiotic we can give you, and nothing's uh, working. Yeah, Oof. we didn't know. You know, we had no idea. Uh. And it's one of those things. Music made me keep going uh, throughout the entire thing because okay, chemo, starting to lose my hair, started to play uh. drums, and I kept playing with my bands. I was taking a whole bunch of medications for pain and this and prednisone. I lost my sight. That's why I wear glasses. Um, different things that have happened to me uh, of that. And to, you know, afterwards, they're like, 
now you have to do radiation. Uh, yeah. So radiation for me that I ended up in palliative care with radiation. Um, I stopped eating because I couldn't, my taste changed. Yeah. Cause it, it was I, on still on the radiation were, was on your face. It was Oof. on my face, right, left Jeez. into my sinuses, down into my throat. Oh, fuck. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's not anywhere that you want to have this. It's like, if you have radiation anywhere else, you get burned, but you might be okay. I, I lost my sense of taste. I lost this. I don't have any saliva glands currently. So like, if you see me playing drums, Somebody bring me water. I would love that <laughs> because I have to drink so much water to stay hydrated. And do, because mm -hmm. uh, instead of saliva, it's foam and it coats my teeth. Oh, and this is just kind of what happened with uh, with radiation. And radiation was really bad. Ended up in palliative care. I was still trying to play at the time, but I was throwing up all the time. Radiation made me throw up constantly. So more than chemo. chemo What's that? More than chemo? Because usually we mm -hmm. hear that it's chemo. But... Way more. For oh, me, yeah. way more. Oh. It, 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 like I kept playing drums and this and playing shows through, uh, through, through chemo radiation. I, I, I was, I was done. You couldn't get me to do very much. Uh, and then that's when they put me into the Indu palliative care, but like Whoa. still trying to play, uh, dropped, Uh, 110 pounds in a month while oh. I was there. Nobody knew who I was. I come out looking a completely different human. And uh, that's when I started to, when I was done radiation, that's when my life started to come back to normalcy. Once I got my sense of taste back and everything changed, I got used to eating. Uh, I was feeling better. The punk band was playing a lot more. But for months and months afterwards, I would get sick after enduring myself uh-huh after so physical i had like effort. what i what, uh -huh. oh, i said after physical efforts absolutely any physical e effort i would just throw up that's just the way that it worked for me so you know uh you prevail you keep playing keep playing keep playing but after every show i would go outside and throw up it was Gosh. just the thing that i did uh i had no other choice because it's just what my body would do i had to drink so much liquid And oh, then yeah. my body's tired and I'm not eating that well because I'm still recovering from radiation. I'm playing. And then afterwards I'd run outside and I throw up outside somewhere. I did it after every show for almost an, like a straight nine months. Oh, but you were still playing. It's constantly because music kept me going. Drumming oh, kept me going. Wow. I would never stop. Holy shit. Wow. That doesn't matter. Nothing could slow me down from this. Drumming kept me going and kept me alive. It really did. Punk rock saves life, like they say. Punk save. rock absolutely saved my life. I mean, and learning all these new bands and this and like, I it, the funny thing is, I didn't start listening to No Effects till 2008. Like seriously, listening to them. Oh. And uh, that's when you know I really got into the fast stuff, and then through No Effects and their influences, I started learning a lot of different bands, and I started to educate myself a lot more. Um and. Uh, at this point studying with this band we're getting faster we're playing punkier songs um i remember you know opening for the flatliners strike anywhere oh. and uh mm. one other giant band uh we opened for them it was absolutely incredible um i've you know we've done these things for such a long time in sydney because we were the leading sydney punk band with mm -hmm. a couple of others so we play a lot of those shows with a lot of good bands that come in wow it was always fun 
until you know you're you throw up all the time and your band decides okay we're gonna do an hour and 20 minute punk set okay so i remember i'll never forget this day it's like we're playing and we're and it's like our fastest song i'm pretty sure it was 195 bpm and uh i start playing this song and they're like one song i'm like no i'm done they're like no one more song it's a minute long i'm like no i'm done i gotta go outside they're like okay um then they said it one more time i was like fine i'll do it i started playing this one minute song and during the first verse i believe the band looked back at me because they realized i wasn't playing the song right i was just going boom chick like just instead of playing it like i normally would when they look back i have my head down on my hi-hat stand throwing up while playing So I'm still going. I don't drop (laughs) tempo. They just know I'm doing something different. Look back and I, because I told them I couldn't wait. And then sure enough, I couldn't wait. So during that last song, I covered my carpet. I never seen that carpet again. I have no idea where it's at. This is very punk of you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But also like, they probably knew that if you didn't want to do that song, it's because you had enough, like for real. Oh, no, no. They, They knew, but... You know, they just thought that possibly I could get through it and I couldn't. But I did because I didn't stop. Some drummer uh, puke because they're drunk on the stage, too. <laughs> and that's why I stopped drinking when I was uh, 20. Oh, oh, after you know, that. Mm-hmm. After that, you know, I, I drank a little bit, but I was never a big drinker. Drinking was a problem in our family growing up. So mm-hmm. I never I was never really into drinking. I stopped drinking when I was 20. Good thing. Um, you know, it's, it was just easier for me uh, to be the sober person because my band was drunk enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, They were drunk enough for me. I bet you're not the only one to puke on the stage in the band, though. I'm kidding. No, God, no. No, no, no. It's, it's happened probably almost every single member. I was just the only one who was uh, sober when it happened. Oh, you know what? I have a, a strong puke phobia. But now I'm feeling pretty good. You're talking about okay. it because I, I, I'm in therapy for that. <laughs> you haven't gagged once. That's incredible. No, Especially not that bad, but I, I'm very scared of puke and puke story. But I'm, I'm doing fine. Thanks. You're, you're no, helping I, me right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, I mean, if you, if you can't get through this story, you can't get through any of them. So, But yeah, it's like, I, like going through that stuff, I always sit back and reminisce. If I didn't have that, like, my whole my whole upbringing of music just led me to where I went. And then after getting through this, and then I moved to Halifax because mm-hmm. um, in Sydney, I couldn't grow. I didn't know what I was doing because I talked to a lot of people about this. And it's like, I know what I was doing at 1920. And mm-hmm. I wasn't doing what you were doing. I was partying. I was this. I was living my life. I'm like, yeah, I was in oh, the hospitals yeah. and trying to play drums and trying to play music. So when I finally moved to Halifax, it took me a long time to meet everybody here but after that i you know these are all this is my scene these are my friends and i've grown so mm-hmm. much as a human and a drummer and then at that same time doing session gigs with people so one day i'm a country drummer you know i think when you and i first spoke uh i was at work and i think it was a celtic band yes. that was on stage yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know and i'm their sub fill-in drummer when that when when the guy who would play with them that night I play with them. I do that. And like you heard in the background of our chats, it was, it was, it's super fun to be multiversal, you know, but the lucky thing for me being a multi-instrumentalist as well, that when you're working with bands and that um, I'm not just playing drums, I'm understanding what's happening from all aspects. 
But and that's my favorite part. Yeah, and you also do covers by all yourself. Like you do bass, guitar, yeah. you sing, you do the drums. So you, I, I sing. Uh, there's air sing. quotes. So you uh, sing. Well, I mean, uh, I'm for some reason I'm Fat Mike's vocal clone. I've, I've <laughs> so I've showed so many people this. Like, where'd you get the Fat Mike vocal track? I'm like, no, that's me. They're like, really? <laughs> oh, I'm impressed. I'm like, I'm kind of impressed too. I just happen to sing a little out of key, so it works great. <laughs> But no, but like, be, see, the thing is when multi-instrumentalists do that by themselves, they get stuck when they hit drums because, you know, if you play guitar, you can play bass pretty well. If you yeah. play guitar and sing, you can do all these things. You can make your solos, your harmonies, this, and then you got to play drums. Mm -hmm. And it never, unless you are a drummer as well, then mind you, I know a lot of us are good drummers, uh, but you do hear it's like, this is not, uh, a, a real drummer would have benefited doesn't always, but sometimes it does. And that's kind of the way that I do. I'm a drummer first. So my stuff like, oh my God, you're a good guitar player. No, I just have really good rhythm. I know power chords. I get through it. I can play no effects stuff. Mm -hmm. It's great. You know, and uh, within that, you know, throws it up on YouTube. And then I end up in a no effects video because of it. Yeah. It's like the linoleum. Cool. Yeah. And, you know, okay, cool. I've, I've gained my goal. Fat Mike saw me play that song. Sweet. That's so rad. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> you know, so it's, and then it was really honestly with my twenties and that mm -hmm. growing, growing my music and really like stopped playing for myself and started playing for the song, mm -hmm. you know, uh, don't know how much that resonates with a lot of these drummers that I'm talking about. Like uh, Derek Grant would be a great example. It's like, you went from playing in the suicide machines to overplaying just about everything on that record to playing an alkaline trio where you're playing for the music. Yep. And I love that. I love that he plays for alkaline trio. He doesn't play for himself. Um, one of the best mm -hmm. things, uh, one of my favorite Canadian drummers by far is Paul Ramirez by from the Flatliners. Oh yeah. Uh, I've opened for the Flatliners about four times. Uh, Paul and I chat all the time or not all the time, every now and then on Instagram. Uh, I recently found out that I work with his uncle. Oh, wow. Small world. But, but, and that's the thing. He's like, yeah, my, my nephew's a drummer. I'm like, oh yeah. He's <laughs> like, yeah. Do you know the band of flatliners? And I stop and I looked at him. I'm like, what? He's what? like, yeah. I'm like, your nephew's Paul Ramirez. He's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Paul is my favorite Canadian drummer. Incredible. Yeah. So that was a super Whoa. cool little story. <laughs> just random, just at work one day. Yeah, he's my nephew. Oh, okay, cool. But I asked Paul once, I'm like, how do you keep so timid when you play? He's like, you got to play for your band. You got to play for your room. If you're on a big stage, hit everything as hard as you can if that's your vibe. Mm -hmm. If you're in this little venue, sit back, relax, play with your band. Best advice I've ever gotten. And since that day, that's what I've been doing. And that's this. really what I do with Cluttered. I play for the songs. I don't play for myself. Wow. I'm taking notes about that. It's yeah. so true. I'm going to meditate oh, on this sentence for real. It's so... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I'd, I'll try to know this. The next shows I'm going to see live. I'm going Because I love to... Just, I love to do... To go at small venues... So yep. I'll check that. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, I'm, I'm in every now and then, you know, we'll play a show 
and you're you're playing, you're in the second song, and you just look over and this this one or two people just always go to your left. And you know it's like there's the drummers. That's just the drummers of the crowd. That's where they are. And they come up, they're like, didn't expect that. I'm like, thank you. I appreciate it. And this everybody just asked me a couple of questions, like, how do you play like that? Instead, I'm like, I've just trained myself to be this musician. It's like when you study these greats, you want to be one of them. You have mm-hmm. to make sure you understand drumming the way that they do. And that's what I've tried to do over the years. Right. And that's why people like Adam Willer, Brooks Wackerman, Travis Barker, are my favorite drummers, um, because these guys are amazing musicians, but they also play for the music. Yeah, okay, Travis, not so much, but still, you know what I mean by that. <laughs> if I didn't say that, the entire comment section would be, yeah. <laughs> The yeah. stigma around him is you so funny. I love the it. punk rock jail again. I know. Hey, I'm at least kidding. I can name the records of that one. So I'm happy about that. <laughs> hey, before we go, I really want to talk about the new EP. Yeah. Cluttered. I love this. Uh, yeah. I love that you're doing a, a propaganda cover. Hold on. Hold on. No, it's not. The, it's not. Yeah. Wait, wait, so where would you say? Is it a propaganda cover or is it a weaker dance cover? Oh shit, that's right. I want because you know what? I I listened to it and I was I was like it's propaganda, but I feel like there's something about this song I forgot. And it's this and it's that. So the song is actually the weaker than's version of Anchorless. It has the weaker than's verse in it that doesn't exist in the propaganda version. Oh. So we're covering Anchorless by the weaker than weaker in, in the style of how propaganda played it when it was a propaganda song, but to the arrangement that John Kay did for the weaker thans, not for the not for the I propaganda version. There's another so in our version, the weaker thans verse is in there. The third verse is in there. There's no third verse on the propaganda version. Hmm. And I says to Maddie, I'm like. So are we going to try to play that when we open for propaganda? She's like, absolutely not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I, I tried. But yeah, the, the new record um, EP, uh, sorry, uh, came, yeah. to get, came together very quickly. Um, we have a full length written, uh, ready to go uh, oh. to be recorded. Um, but where Maddie is away and I'm here, it's like, we know we want to do this record together, but we can't stop our momentum. Yeah, so and I now you're we, in the jam and the live show mood, so you're that's a priority exactly, for now. right? So we're we're not in that in that uh, in that mindset yet. Uh, we're gonna hopefully have this this new record done in 2023 and oh. see where that goes. But for the time being, we needed something to release for the fall, and because I do all the recording here in my in my space, I do the drums on my own and I build wow. everything and I also mix the albums wow. too. You mix too. That's so, great. Oh my God. Yeah, so it's impressed. just another, once again, just picking up hobbies over the years. Right. So I do all the mixing and that, uh, in my opinion, they're demo quality. They're sound great for what they are. They're punk. They sound so good. That's what I still like. Demo quality. Yeah. So I'm very excited for the next record because our guitar player, AJ is an amazing sound engineer, like very good recording engineer. And him and I are going to work together for the next record and mm. it's going to be going to be solid. But yeah, um, basically what happens with Maddie and I, Maddie sends me an acoustic song and they'll be like, 
check this out. And I'm halfway through it. I'm like, okay, cool. This is the next cluttered song. And she's oh. like, oh, but I released it years ago. I'm like, that's fine. And this is going to be, I hear such cool things out of this. And because I'm laying in bed and I just put the song yeah. on and I hear Maddie's music. And I'm like, I have the drums written. Totally. Like, I'm done. I heard it once and the drums are finished in drums my head. Drums and some arrangements, maybe arrangements, back vocals. Uh, I don't touch arrangements in Cluttered. Okay. Yep. Uh, so Maddie, for the most part, uh, Maddie will send the arrangement. She'll send her oh. guitar parts and her vocal lines. I have zero to do with lyrics in the band. I I, I, I can hardly talk. So uh, <laughs> intellectually, that is. Yeah, yeah, I see. And... Um, And that was one of our agreements is that she's like, the, the words are mine. I'm like, the words can be oh, yours. Sure. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's her experiences. And if it wasn't for Maddie's experiences of how she feels and how, what she does, you know, if you want, if everybody here, if you want to know that, listen to Maddie's version of this podcast. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah, I talk with her about like how much she, she puts her soul in the songs and she does. And yeah, honestly, I, I love one of the lyrics. best musicians I've worked with. She's incredible. So the EP yes. is called Transgender Dystopia Blues. Yeah. I love this. The, the, the little swing on the Against Me title. Yep. Um, but once again, uh, that would be, I, I really can't speak to why it's called that. Mm -hmm. That's not my place. Totally. And I don't know the full story because that's Maddie's story. Exactly. What, what I'm excited about this record is how it got played and how we did it. Because we took uh, two old Maddie Gray songs mm -hmm. and we redid them for Cluttered. And actually, we just played them for the first time tonight in our jam uh, oh. as, as a full band. And uh, so we took two old Maddie Gray songs that were released previously acoustically. She then wrote one new one. And then we had this Uyghur that's cover sitting for a few months. So we're like, no, we're doing it. Let's put it on. We recorded it. I made it as big as possible. We, I got some voices loaned from another bandmate from another band that AJ and I play in. And it really came out so cool. But uh, hearing those songs together and it's, there's just something to that record that we're just so excited. We're so excited to play mm -hmm. live, send to people and just for the world to hear this. Because when we come out with our full length, record it's you know you're only getting short glimpses when we get a full record i i i'm i i can i cannot wait of what we are hopefully oh, wow. able to create and, I'm excited. and you know it's it's not our first day here it's like i you know we just chatted for the last however long mm -hmm. and this has been such a passion for both maddie and myself and you take our two passions you put us together and then we take two of our best friends musically, uh, Becca and AJ. So um, AJ plays in all of my bands. I play in three bands. AJ's in all three of them. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it's the best band we've ever played. And we all have the same values. We all look for the same thing. We're all, we're all here for the same reason. None of us drink. None of us do any hard drugs. We're not finding members in the morning. We're all very responsible. That's what we wow. do. And that's what makes Cluttered the most special thing for me because I'm not tearing down an entire show mm -hmm. by myself because my bandmates are too drunk. Oh, yeah. So important. It's, it's the best feeling. And I love traveling with them. I love being with them. It's seriously, it's it, to have these bandmates are one of my one of my favorite things that I've I've had in my in my late 20s, early oh. 30s. Oh, I'm yeah. so happy to hear that. And 
You have to come play here in Quebec City soon. Oh, we're 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 we're, we're getting ready. Uh, we're, we'll get Quebec City. Uh, I, I'm so like we've played more uh, tour shows than we have local. I think we've yeah. only played locally three times. We played every other maritime province. So we played uh, oh, except PEI, but we played Moncton. We played Fredericton. We played Newfoundland before we played Nova Scotia. <laughs> That's funny. I love that. And we played and we played in Nova Scotia last, but we still never played in Halifax. We started out almost a year ago with Music Week in Churro, Nova Scotia, which is about an hour from from Halifax. Mm -hmm. So our first Halifax show was like Halifax, then go on a tour. <laughs> it was it's very cool how it happens, you know, but I couldn't pick in better bandmates to do this with and, you know, to understand, you know, how I look at music musically and drumming and Maddie having that special spark for uh, the other side. I, 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 I could not express how much this band yeah. is and how much yeah. fun and enjoyment we get playing, doing these records and playing live with each other. Yeah, she's amazing. And I, I'm happy that I know you now because of her. <laughs> I'm, I, I honestly, and once again, like the second that I seen your, actually, I, I think even beforehand, I was following your podcast uh, a little bit before uh, you two met. And I remember Maddie saying, yeah, I, I, I met Emily. I'm like, the podcast, the podcast girl. <laughs> she was like, yeah. I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> I started listening to that a couple of weeks ago. This is great. So, you know, uh, I already had this little, uh, I, I already knew this podcast existed. So it was, it's more great for me to be like, Oh, uh, I get to be a part of this with you guys. I just, as a drummer, you know, it feels yeah. a lot different, you know, I hear you talk to a lot of from, from people and who lead bands and that cool. But as, as we talked about this entire podcast, uh, drumming is, a different brain altogether. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you don't have to be great to play punk drums or you can study and you can listen to all these crazy genres of music and spend your life studying and then do this. Totally. But I can't do what those people do and they can't do what I do. And I love exactly. that. Uh -huh. You know, you, you, it's just some bands just don't work that way. And I love that about music. Uh Once again, take going from Scott in Blink-182 to Travis. That is our best example. It's like they're different bands. Totally. <laughs> and that's how I've always looked at music because of all these experiences mm. that I had over the years. Thank you so much for being my guest. What This a was great lovely. Chat. Thank you for having me. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited to hear about the new album and your your show. So let me yeah. let me know about your, your project. Uh, Oh, you know. we will. Anything that pops up, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll be letting you know. And the second that we're in Quebec City, you know, obviously you'll be the first to know. Yay. And I'm just, I'm just excited to get back on the road. It's going to be great.
garden in a bedroom that I shared with my ex-girlfriend for three weeks after we broke up. No, 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 wait, 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 no, it started when my mom told me the greatest form of comedy is when your insults are pointed at yourself, so I wrote a joke, then I wrote a few more, and then I started writing songs, now I'm stuck, now I'm stuck, now I'm stuck, and now producing i appreciate so much thank you also to caroline morin for the visual on social media and the logo next week my guest is jason of the great band on the cinder from new york you're gonna love to discover them they are great but until then find your life and see you next week My cramps are feeling better now, by the way. Okay, bye.